Please listen carefully. Welcome to the Rick and Dodd Show. Two dudes, a podcast, and some laughs. Prepare to be underwhelmed. And away we go. All right, so uh, we're back yet again uh, for another episode here. Been quite a a long bit of time since uh, since we talked last. Um, so wanted to, to jump back into the swing of things and have it be a very uh, topical episode this week, as opposed to some of the uh, the more rambly ones we we've had recently, or a lot more the the magic focused ones that that we had recently as well. Um, Ram rambly? What? Yeah, just a little bit. Going back. Uh, with the work I was doing last week for getting the new website up, yay, at, uh, at rickanddon.com, um, it will now take you to uh, a listing of, of all of the uh, episodes in blog form, um, which is kind of step one into getting some of this on iTunes and some more promotion and stuff like that. So we have a landing page there that now also gives us uh, access to having uh, the ability to, to blog and, and run some other stuff. Um, so we'll uh, we'll be able to to do that there, um, and then in doing so, I ended up seeing a uh, a decent amount of uh, of kind of topics and very magic specific topics or very rambly topics as far as things that we were we were <laughs> doing for uh, anything that would be kind of what we'd want to tag the episode with. Um, yeah. So so this week we we definitely have a, a very kind of on point topic um, yes. based off of. Kind of uh, you know what what you're uh, very accustomed to, and some of the stuff that I was doing uh, last week when I was in uh, when I was in New York for for some work stuff, which was good. Um, so we were able to uh, to hit up a um, a book signing uh, by Tyler Not Gregson, who is a a poet that is famous for his typewriter series. Uh, poem or set of books as well as uh, just some other photography and, and things like that um, but he had released a new book um, called Wildly Into the Dark uh, that is the I believe the third book in the typewriter series maybe the fourth um, he's very popular uh, on Instagram he has a big social media following so he was doing a uh, a signing in New York that was probably about I want to say four or no probably 60 to 80 people um, were there and it was like helping the, the bookstore, which was an amazing bookstore at the strand, um, kick off, uh, national poetry month. Um, mm. and so it was really well done. And so the entire time we were kind of planning to record later that night, but then something came up and we couldn't. And then, um, just kind of being there, hearing him talk about all the stuff, just kind of went right into something we had on our agenda to talk to, um, uh, but didn't really get around to yet, which is, um, some of the, that you had as far as like the simple guide to poetry or you may have phrased it differently. Um, but then just kind of just jumping all in on a, uh, a, a week of poetry for the, for the full episode. So we'll have a pretty big tag for that. So, um, yeah. what, when, when, let me see actually what the topic we had originally, you, you had originally dubbed it the, uh, the idiot's guide to poetry. Um, but so so hopefully it won't necessarily need to be uh, the idiot's guide or, or uh, idiot proofing it. Um, but uh, starting off, uh, I mean, why don't? How did you get into that? I mean, would you? Uh, is that something you had been around for a while? Did you always like writing, et cetera? And then uh, see where you wanted to go with it. Since I gave you a homework assignment while I was working on the website, um, and then uh, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. So. Um... 
let's see. So I've been writing poetry since I was like 12. Do you still have some of those poems? Oh, fuck no. Okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, I think there's a binder buried at my house with some poems, uh, that I wrote in high school. Like, oh man. Um, they're so bad. They're so, so bad. Um, no, like I, um, I'm notoriously, uh, I, I can't organize anything for the life of myself. So, um, <laughs> the, there's no, there's no, there's no record of those poems existing except my memory of them. Okay. Um, which is probably how I'd prefer to keep it because they're so fucking bad. Um, there is a binder of some poems possibly buried in like my mom's closet over at my folks. Um, because I haven't grabbed all my crap from there yet. So, um, <laughs> I might, I might've thrown those out, but I'm not sure. So well, those exist. <laughs> very similar to, I mean, again, starting off and just getting things going and, and things like that where, um, it's, it's not a, a, uh, you have the passion for the craft, but you don't have the expertise yet. So you're still just putting like your, your raw energy into it. Um, because you, you know, it's something you want to investigate and it's not something that you're getting anything out of yet. Similar to me when I was growing up watching plenty of, uh, PBS shows like New Yankee Workshop, This Old House, stuff like that. And it was woodworking. And I was like, well, all it is is math. You just put the stuff on there, cut it. And then it ends up the same as what you just measured it as. And I, started out with woodworking with plenty of uh, plenty of angles other than 90 degrees when I was trying to make tables and chairs and things like that. So again, it's, it's a learning process. It is. Uh, it is. Um, so I wrote, I wrote on and off, um, basically from that point in time. Uh, and like, I liked, I always liked writing. I read a lot, especially in middle school, uh, middle, middle school and, and high school. I always did a lot of reading um, it's sort of tapered off over the years, um, because I don't have as much free time as I used to. As far and, as the reading or the writing? Uh, <laughs> well, as of right now, both. Uh, <laughs> uh, part of that's because I'm, I'm ghost writing those two books at work. And, uh, so when I come home, yep. I, <laughs> when I come home, I'm like, I'm just going to be an idiot and watch Netflix. That's me with and, gaming. <laughs> and I've got like, uh, and I was like, I have that series 65 I need to be studying for, and I'm super far behind in that. And I'm just like, I need, I need like a good two or three days off, <laughs> but, um, maybe, maybe to get back in the swing of things. But I, uh, so I, I wrote on and off, uh, throughout pretty much that whole time. Uh, when I was in college, uh, that was my experimental phase. And, uh, because uh, you know when you go to college you gotta experiment um, <laughs> so the uh, I wrote um, I started looking into since I was a theater major I started writing a lot of like uh, like one acts and in that um, and those were those were hit and miss uh, I had a friend who referred me to another friend uh, that he had worked with in Florida at one of the when he was uh, working uh, a tech friend of mine. Uh, was working down there and he was talking with one of the local playwrights mentioned me and um, we ended up having like a, a relatively long phone conversation um, and he looked over some of, my, some of the stuff that I read and was like 
Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, everything, you know, everything that you say pretty much has already been said. And it's like, okay. And it was sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, if you're going to do this, you got to, you know, you got to go to like an, an uh, a fucking Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, you should check out the writing program at Brown and, and this and that. And I'm like, what? It was, it was, uh, that conversation was not very uh, fruitful. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, so it was basically him just kind of, you know, more or less just stroking his own ego. Um, and so I, so during that, I was also, um, let's see. So since I didn't get into my specified major of theater, uh, it was I was more like a, a general theater, or excuse me, my diploma, I believe, says stage and screen. With okay. a concentration in theater instead of a BFA in acting, like I wanted, um, and they didn't offer like any kind of like writing classes or either uh, any of that stuff. And uh, the program wasn't very flexible for um, like a make your own thing kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I uh, took a you know like fiction fiction writing classes, poetry writing classes, screenwriting classes, uh, basically for my my minor, which was creative writing. Um, and I took a lot of literature classes. And so I, I messed around with that and really started to focus in on, I didn't like, uh, I didn't really know, like, I knew I wanted to write, but I didn't know, like, what I wanted to write. And so, like, I had messed, I had messed around with all that stuff and got a couple poems published in there on the, in the Carolinian or the Western Carolinian, okay. which was the student newspaper. Um, and those poems weren't great. Um, that's mostly because I just knew the editor. And you were able to get some stuff kind of like slipped in. Well, she was like, nobody sent her anything. And she like came up to me. Oh. Like, we had a poetry, we had a, we had a poetry class together. And, uh, she came up to me and my, uh, uh another friend of mine and was like, can you please just give me some poems so I can put them in here? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Okay, sure. Like a moron. Yep. Um, and then I got a poem published in the Nomad, uh, which was Western Carolina's literary journey uh, journal, which I was a reader for one year, um, and I've got that somewhere. Uh, so that was like technically, those are like my technically my first publications, but I I don't count those, um, because those poems were bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still finding your groove. Yeah, so um, I did that, and then I took. Uh, so I graduated and was pretty much underemployed, uh, living at home, trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. And I was like, you know, I was like, I knew, like, because I didn't intern uh, with my undergraduate degree uh, because I wasn't terribly popular in that department. Um, part of it was I'm not a I'm not an ass kisser. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's all about merit. And especially when you're young and you're black and, <laughs> you know, people are telling you you're getting everything handed to you when you start, when you start your journey into academia um, because of your race, mm-hmm. uh, you, you get like a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. Um, and, so I, I didn't, I purposely wasn't like, you know, I wasn't mean to anybody or irresponsible or anything. Um, 
but it was just, you know, I didn't, I didn't kiss a lot of ass and a lot of the theater professors there at Western, um, some of them very good. And some of them I hold into very high regard, uh, others, uh, burn out and just mean, just mean, mean people. And, um, well, I think you, you know, kind of get that anywhere in academia where you yeah. have that, that kind of tried mix of, um, both, you know, people who are there and wanting to kind of disseminate their craft and help others and bring others to it. Mm -hmm. And then others who have kind of grown into it for such a long age, uh, that they've become like hardened and crusty and, mm -hmm. and then like, they're like the last bastion of hope for whatever, you know, domain they're in. Um, yeah. and just kind of want to, you know, kind of be the gatekeepers for, uh, Absolutely. anybody else. And, and that's a big thing. You get that, you like, you like, you get that anywhere. Uh, you especially get that in the arts. And, um, because, you know, if, if somebody else is special, your chances, your likelihood of being special is lessened, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so they were, um, they, it was one of those experiences where it was like an overall and not a great experience. Um, and you never knew how much like race actually played into it too. It wasn't a very diverse department. Um, and it wasn't, I, one of the constant notes I got was that I was too smart. Okay. Um, which is not a note anybody else got. Which is kind <laughs> of like, again, like the uh, one of the most interesting like backhanded compliments like yeah it, it, i i don't know how to take that especially kind of coming off the you know the position that, that you just said as well as far as being you know young and black and having a chip on your shoulder and obviously i can't speak to that experience but it seems like that would <laughs> be that would be the way for them to again give you a, a note of criticism but then still kind of quote-unquote keep you in check or something yeah yeah it was one of these things where i didn't you know i, I didn't could conform to their idea of what I should be. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, basically, you know, it was basically like every audition was just a basic giant fuck you. Every note was a basic giant fuck you. Um, you know, and there was a lot of that because in part, because, you know, I didn't kiss their asses because I mean, you're fucking teaching at you know, Western Carolina university, you know, in an acting program that has fucking 24 kids. Mm -hmm. You're not hot shit. It's not USC, like, it's not UCLA yeah, yeah, or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, like I get it. You guys have MFAs and stuff, and that's cool. And you guys have like worked in the in in the field and stuff, and I respect that. And you can look for that, but at the same point, you know, it's not. That's not bragworthy. Like, I never like. I never do a lot of stuff. Like my thing is like. I'm always working to be better. So I never just want to sit down and just be like, Oh, well, this is the best I'm going to do, mm -hmm. you know? And I just hated that. And there was like, there was a bit of, there, there was always a bit of tension there because, you know, I, you know, I, contrary to popular belief, I like, I hate the idea of giving up, especially on something that you're passionate about. And, you know, and, when you approach it when because i don't i don't view teaching as i don't view teaching as getting up giving up or anything it's a chance to better your craft uh through showing others how to better their craft exactly and when you 
it was one of those things where you approach it where you're just angry and it's just a paycheck and you don't care and you necessarily don't even really care about the craft, then it, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of respect for that, but well, similarly, um, I mean, that's why I like going to and attending, you know, conferences for work where for me, it's a completely different field. I mean, it's a very, you know, technical structured field, um, as opposed to the arts as, as you're saying, but it's still the same thing as far as people that have, the passion that want to share that with people and kind of bring other people into it at the same level or just, you know, get them up to speed, things like that. And going and attending things and listening to people that have that passion, it's basically, it's definitely a two way street as opposed to again, yeah, just like a, a nine to five check where people just want to check in, check out and then get paid for it. Yeah. So, um, because I didn't get into the special, because I didn't get into their BFA program at Western, um, and by the time they didn't let me in, I was in my junior year and had most of it completed. Okay. Um, so I, I needed a minor. Um, and I spent that last basically year and a half at Western. I graduated in four years cause I had, I had liberal arts degrees. This was not difficult. Um, <laughs> there was, there was no challenge there. Um, and I spent that last year and a half over in the English department. And it was night and day, night and day between uh, how I was how I was treated. Um, arguably, it was funny is that the professors over in the the English department were substantially more successful career wise than those over in the acting mm-hmm. over in in the in the theater side. Most you know outside of the technical guys who you know knew their shit and did stuff. Um, who were substantially more successful and they were so much nicer and they were humble and they're willing to help and cultivate and grow, uh, new, new artists. And that was really cool. And it was one of those things where, you know, they, that they tried to, the English department at Western did try to recruit me. Um, my first, like my, my first year there. And I was like, no, I'm going to do this acting shit. And part of me, I was like, you know, part of me now in hindsight is like, well, shit, like <laughs> maybe, maybe if I wasn't, you know, so gung ho on doing what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, I might've had some cooler opportunities open up, uh, over on that side. Um, so, uh, because of that, because they were so nice and they were so, um, they were so encouraging, uh, when I, so after I graduated, I took that year off and I was like, I needed to get another degree. Um, and I didn't want to go back and do undergrad again because I was looking, well, screw it. Maybe I can just get and get a master's program. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to do theater anymore. Um, because I don't think I would have been able to handle another toxic environment like that theater program at Western. Mm -hmm. Um, and so because of that, I looked into MFA programs and I, and I applied around and, um, a year later, over a year later, I wrote uh, three three of my professors uh, from the English the English department at Western. Um, I had asked because I'd asked around a couple times before I left if anybody would be reading, willing to write letters of recommendation. My advisor in the theater department refused to write me a letter of recommendation. <laughs> if that tells you how toxic that place was, yeah, that 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 kind of speaks volumes right there. Yeah, and she was like, oh, "I'm not familiar with your work enough with your work." I had her two classes that I got B pluses, A, A, A's in, A minuses in mm-hmm. at least. 
she came to see my one act show that I did, uh, the, the collection of one acts that I directed and wrote, refused to write me a recommendation letter. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a very constructive environment at all. No. And um, it was incredibly frustrating. And I actually got really close to leaving, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, and they were kind enough to still write me recommendation letters over, uh, over a year after me working with them. And, uh, and, you know, because I guess they remembered my work enough, which, you know, looking back on that work, it wasn't good. Um, but I was at least attempting some things. <laughs> um, but they were still kind enough to write me uh, letters of recommendation. I applied to uh, Wichita State and uh, and Queens University of Charlotte. Okay. And I did not get into Wich- I did not get into Wichita State. Um, and the only reason I applied it to I don't like my reasoning was like I just wanted to like I needed to like I needed to like get away <laughs> and try and like actually forge stuff. And I was like. Yeah, the Midwest will do it for the black folk. Like, it worked in the Dust Bowl. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm kind of glad I did because I didn't want to go to fucking Kansas. Jesus. Um, so I uh, ended up starting I ended up starting at uh, uh, Queens, uh, which was a low-residency program, uh, which I think we might have talked about before, but just um, – mm-hmm. For new listeners or those who don't remember, a low residency program basically is you, you're uh, a graduate student who has a limited time on campus. And the rest of the work you do is done through a series of correspondence. Um, and you see, you can, you can usually get that a lot with like art programs. Yeah. I was going to uh, say, it sounds like a much easier program for an art space program as opposed to a, uh, a technical or kind of like an engineering like a trade. Yeah. And part of the reason is because basically what they do is they rip out the teaching component, uh, because you're focusing more on craft and the creating that, uh, the craft mm-hmm. that you don't need to necessarily be, uh, on campus to teach with a for full course load, um, of teaching. So, um, I was like, well, shit, you know, <laughs> I, uh, so I got in and, and went to Queens, uh, and you teach, you know, you teach after you study for a while, which makes sense. Like you basically, um, you start teaching, you teach a seminar at the, during your graduating residency, and then you present your thesis, Okay. um, which is, it's all, that's all a part of your thesis. So it's like, oh, we've made a, you know, we've created a, someone who knows what they're talking about. Now we can ship them off into the world. Yeah. Um, so the also their success rate at Queens um, for people either teaching or working in the related field um, made me feel a lot better than um, you know than than Western where it was basically you know you had Ned from uh, Step by Step if you remember that show from TJIF uh, stealing ham from the Honors College luncheons driving his like ninety four fucking you know, fucking beater, you know, being like, you'll never amount to nothing. I remember the show, but I do not remember Ned in any way, shape or form. He's the neighbor in step-by-step. He's like, not Wilson from home improvement. And, um, he's, it's, 
you know, I got some, you know, so his, anyway, his greatest achievement was sitting at a table as basically an extra with Susan Sarandon, mm-hmm. uh, when like in a movie that she won, like a daytime TV movie, she won like an Emmy for or something. Yeah. And that was like his greatest achievement. He didn't have any dialogue or if he did, it was like one line and that was it. Um, so, um, and I don't mean to shit on him, but he wasn't, you know, like I told him, I was like, what was your plan? I was like, oh, I was going to go move out to Wilmington because they had a budding, um, a, a budding film scene out there. And he basically called me a fucking moron in nicer words. Like, oh, you should want to move to here or here to get real work. And I was like, okay, whatever. But it, it's ironic that we have another mutual <laughs> friend that has, that is, is, is in the, the film and TV business and has often worked in Wilmington for, for yeah. many jobs. And so <laughs> it, it very successful in doing so. Um, so it just, it's interesting that again, you know, yeah. it's like, again, crapping on, on that when all signs point to the contrary. So, yeah. Um, so I, uh, I decided what I needed to decide what I was going to study uh, for that program. And you basically, when you apply to MFA programs, you have to choose your specified field, your specified field. And you can't just be like, oh, I want, you know, I want to study, you know, like you have to submit work and stuff. Yeah. And I didn't have enough short stories because <laughs> I've only written like two in my entire life. Um, and I had some poems, um, some that I wrote um, sober and, and some not. Okay. And, um, most of them are so poems I wrote sober. So, uh, and I barely had enough poems to send off for the, um, for, for it. And I got into, and I got into Queens. So, um, so is it using what you had for your, your previously written poetry, using that to write and submit and gain acceptance into the MFA program at Queens? Mm-hmm. So was it, yeah. was it something where, after that you were kind of locked in even though getting into the poetry program or you grew into poetry being more of your voice or medium or that you still ended up thinking you could you you had the desire for other writing or was it just kind of like okay well yeah i'll, I'll run with this since this, this is kind of where where i've got so far yeah so it was like it was like a mix of all of that um so i um so I got into the program and, you know, you get into Queens, the program director calls you and you think you're hot shit. So, <laughs> which is, this is how it goes. Basically, Fred LeBron, Librin, uh, calls you uh, and goes, hey, you got into my school. <laughs> um, this, do you accept? And you're like, okay. And they tell you about some of the stuff the selection committee says and, um they had some very nice things to say because one of the things I sent was a Ginsburg um, mimicry of Howell, um, which is, you know, if you know anything about beat poetry or anything, um, that's arguably Ginsburg's most famous poem. And it's one of the most famous poems out of the beat movement. Um, and that's the word. It's the one uh, where it starts off. I saw the best minds of my generation become whatever, um, and uh, they really, I, they really like that. And I'm pretty sure it was just that poem that got me in because those other poems weren't great. And that poem, I, I actually went back and read that recently. I feel like, and that poem wasn't very great either. Um, 
but that one at least showed potential. Uh, and that was actually the cool thing about Queens is that they let you, uh, it was, it was more about potential because the, what happens is that usually you apply to grad schools, you apply to, you know, three to four, um, unless you're poor like me and then you apply to, and then you apply to the one that costs $45 and $50 <laughs> and, uh, which was better than the hundred dollar entry fees or, or the application fees for other schools. Um, so, uh, they base you on potential and basically go, um, because if you're good, other schools are going to make you offers too. Mm -hmm. And you just go, you know, okay, uh, this is what I want. You know, they, they want to take the chance to grow you as, uh, to grow you as an artist. And that whole program started because, um, they wanted to sort of have a different kind of community than what the Iowa's Writers Workshop was, uh, which, excuse me, which the Iowa Writers Workshop is like, which is uh, very, that's the number one program in the nation, and it's very cutthroat uh, and a lot of, very similar to, from what I've at least heard about the program, um, not... I don't, because I, I can't experience it firsthand, and I just hate speaking in pure conjecture. But mm. uh, it wasn't as uh, as friendly as it could be. Okay. Uh, and we could just probably put it that, and and folks can infer what they want to. Um, and they wanted to do something that was more inclusive and um, give people who may not get a chance to to do that kind of stuff uh, to give them to uh, to do that and let grow them as as uh, artists. So I, uh, I started Queens in May 2013, I think, or May, I don't know. I started, <laughs> I started Queens at some point, uh, <laughs> within a two and a half year span of that application. Um, and I worked there. I worked with a lot of talented writers and groups a lot of talented group instructors, uh, a lot of poets that I super, I, you know, I super respect and admire, um, not because, not only because of their talent, but because of their way, their, um, how it's so evident that they care about the craft that they're teaching. Um, so, uh, I, I basically was like stuck in poetry, um, because I didn't, like I was, I don't say stuck, but it was one of those things that was like working out all right for me. Mm -hmm. um, my first, uh, my first sit down was with uh, Kathy Park Hong, um, who won a push cart a while back, and uh, she sat me down and I was like, I was thinking about sending some stuff out to get published, and she just looked at me like, you know. Um, like she was saving a baby, a baby duck from drowning or some shit. Okay. And I was like, no, she was like, no, like, she was like, no, you need to focus on getting better. Cause these, you know, poems aren't great. And everything that I had used there, those poems were really bad. And, um, like it was stuff that I wrote, uh, while I was not sober. Uh, and of course, you know, thought it was great. Um, cause that's how that kind of stuff works. And, um, I was like trying a whole bunch of different stuff too that just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, she gave me some folks to read 
And uh, so I did that, worked with her. Um, and I was like, okay, I can, you know, I was like, shit, you know, I gotta, you know, get my shit together <laughs> while I'm working at big lots. Like, <laughs> so, um, so I did that and slowly, you know, got better. Um, I started sending stuff out my second semester there. Uh, the Queens programs at Queens, uh, MFA is two years and then your graduating seminar, uh, is basically the start of the fifth semester that you would technically be in the program. Mm -hmm. uh, so you just do the residency and that's pretty much it. So um, we, I, I did that, started sending stuff out my second semester um, and then basically struggle boggled through my third. Uh, and then I got to work with the, I, every person I worked with was super talented. I worked with Maury Creech who was uh, nominated uh, recently-ish for a Pulitzer. Oh, awesome. Um, and then, I, so this is just going to be the name dropping section of who I worked with. Yep. Um, it happens to me often <laughs> in, in other forms. So yeah, you may as well get to do it. Get <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, uh, you know, like the, I worked with the talented Sally Keith, who was just a, um, who just won a MacArthur grant, I believe about a year or two ago. Um, she's super smart. I've never like, like, I never consider myself, like, a smart person anyway, but Sally Keith is, like, she's so talented, and she's on such another level, <laughs> and, like, and she's so nice, and, um, you know, she, like, she came up to me at a residency and apologized for not, like, saying hi to me at a conference I wasn't at, because she thought she might have seen me, <laughs> and it was, like, that was so nice, and she didn't even have to do that, um, I, uh, you know, you had, so you had like those folks like that leading, uh, lectures, uh, Claudia Rankin, who I believe just, she was nominated for the national book award for citizen. Okay. Yeah. That name does ring a bell for me. So that's getting up there then. Yeah. Um, uh, she, you know, she was like leading theirs. She was supposed to be one of my thesis readers. Uh, but that's a, <laughs> that's a fun little story. Um, and then, you know, I was working with John, uh, John Pineda, um, uh, you know, he was, ended up being my thesis advisor. Um, my, uh, my fourth, uh, my fourth semester there, I worked with, uh, Kathy Smith Bowers, who was, uh, I actually saw Reed. Uh, she was actually part of the reason I ended up at, uh, at Queens, um, is because she actually, uh, during one of the literary festivals at Western, she came and did a reading and she's actually, she was really good friends with, um, one of the instructors at Western, um, the, po the poetry instructor at Western. So I saw that and offhanded mention because I had asked uh, Dr. Adams for a uh, um, a letter of recommendation, and she goes, "Oh, you're looking at grad school." So I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "What?" She was, I was like, "Oh, poetry." She offhandedly mentioned I should look at Queens, and like you know, a year and a half later or whatever, you know, <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like. Why not listen to that at the time, you know, random person? Um, and yeah, yeah, it's funny how that stuff comes kind of back full circle where you're yeah. like, well, no, I like I'm doing my thing. And then you eventually end up somewhere and you're like, oh, that really smart person that I interacted with before, either, you know, either by on purpose or completely randomly, they really knew what they were talking about. And if I listened to them, then I would have had, you know, a lot more to, to go through or, you know, I'd, I'd be... <laughs> 
uh, I'd be moving a lot faster right now, but again, I was being stupid, stubborn me, and kind of having my head in the sand and all of that crap. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, I mean, the faculty that, you know, Robert Polito, which, um, oh, my God, he's in charge of something important and I'm blanking on. Um, you had folks like Emily, you know, just across – one of the things about Queens is that you study – um, you study in your field, but the, it's always important. They always expose you um, to other other mediums. So while you're there, you're taking your uh, craft classes, uh, but you're also they've got you reading nonfiction. They've got you reading uh, fiction. They've got you reading screenplays. So you can learn how to write scripts and and all the basic stuff of how that feels. You know all of that. So they try really hard just to make folks well-rounded writers. And, um, it's really cool. It's, it's funny, like leaving that program, you basically, there's two things that you learn. You learn how to basically critique other people's work really well. Um, they're one of the first MFA programs to actually have set of specified guidelines for how they would do critiquing. Um, and they, uh, what? <laughs> so they, um, I just lost my train of thought. So they did, they, they set up that and like, uh, you get, ex like, you don't feel limited to basically writing one specific thing. Um, at least, at least I didn't, I know I had some friends who felt very, uh, very limited about, um, you know, reading and, uh, writing very specific things. Um, and you know, you, you leave there feeling you could pretty much, you know, you, if you know, if you have any, you know how to write, you, you know how to translate it into, um, any, you know, you, you know how to do it. And, mm -hmm. and so, um, I started, so I stayed focused in poetry, uh, most of the time there, they do give you the option to basically do a postgraduate like workshop thing okay. and, and come back and focus in, um, another field and they actually allow you to do that while you're still enrolled so you basically split your workshops down the middle where you basically rotate if you were to do like poetry and nonfiction, you would write poetry one semester nonfiction the next poetry in one semester nonfiction the next and then have a thesis in one of those and um i didn't do that um partly because i knew i couldn't generate the amount of work that i needed to for any of the other major any of the other fields um, poetry was basically, you would generate anywhere from five to 10 poems. Um, and the other, the other fields generated at least eight to 25 pages of work. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't basically, I knew I couldn't write, um, like 15 pages every month and then do critiques on top of that, of getting anywhere from 32 to a hundred pages of other people's work to go through. Um, so, uh, so I focused in that, um, and it, it turned out to work pretty, uh, pretty well. And I learned a lot from those folks. Um, and it's just one of those things where I write, um, uh, I write very, uh, I, I have a very specific style. Um, and, uh, you know, pretty, you know, I write, I write free verse, um, and it's not as limiting either since you can um, – some folks may not be familiar with this, but there's a type of uh, poetry uh, called, called prose poems. And you basically write a poem, but it's in prose form. 
and, and so pros like tools like that, like you don't just more of a a more common language and not what everyone kind of first expects or first kind of comes to mind for quote unquote poetry. Yeah. So, um, oh, there's so much stuff here. So prose poetry is the comparative thing would be flash fiction. So it's basic prose poetry is basically like a poem in a paragraph. Okay. Um, and, uh, it looks like a regular paragraph, but when you read it and it's been written by a poet, it feels like a poem. Uh, it's, I'll have to find some, I didn't, I didn't, but, oh, Claudia Rankin Citizen, that whole book is prose poetry. Um, <laughs> uh, really good prose poetry too, um, about, about race. Um, so, uh, that's all, um, so that's, that's the feeling, that's the feeling of that. Um, and you've got, you know, so, uh, basically whenever it's interesting because basically whenever a poet writes something, um, outside of a poem, you can definitely tell it's been written by a poet. Okay. Um, and that's something cool. So, um, let's see. So that's how I got, that's how I got into, to poems. Um, as you know, I, I wrote for a really long time, wrote a whole bunch of, you just all got a whole bunch of different stuff and just ended up focusing in them, um, for that. Um, so, uh, now, um, I send work out every so often and I think I just had, I think it was my 13th or 14th publication since my second semester of Queens. So over the last, it would have been January, 2014. Uh, yeah. Or something like that. Um, so for the, over the last couple of years, so I get published about once every every few months uh, when I send stuff out. Um, so you know that works all right, and folks say that I'm really talented, and I don't, I don't see it. I just you know, I just do it. But um, and I tend to you know know how to send stuff to to literary journals and that. So. Um, one of the cool things I know you did want to talk about, and I just, you know, that was way too long about how I got to write poems, which was a really roundabout way to say, I don't know, it just happened. Um, yep. <laughs> um, but I know we wanted to talk about uh, uh, sort of how to approach approach that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, so that was kind of the, you got in a lot there as far as how you made it to where you are now. And I think there's a lot of background in there that's really quality kind of showing again that, that you had the passion and kind of you, you went there. It wasn't just like you fell out of bed one day. and was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, mm -hmm. Where, I mean, I think that's even maybe like for me, I mean, that's when, when you think of poetry or you think of a poet, it's like, Oh, well that's just, you know, okay. It's a couple of words on a page, but it's not, you know, it, it doesn't <laughs> how anybody can do that type thing. And so again, mm -hmm. I, I think that there's a lot of folks in the arts field have that, um, uh, kind of uh conundrum where it seems like it's like well anybody can just kind of do that so like i mean what makes you special type thing mm. but then when you sit down and read it like last week when i when i got the the new book for for tyler not gregson and i was flipping through it and reading through some of that there's a lot there these are so dense and they're so evocative and mm -hmm. so um emotionally inspiring that there's a lot there that you don't really think of when you're going into something and kind of and then so it's like there's again, that, that logical leap that I think folks don't, don't really get credit for. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, where there's a lot of a lot of stuff that uh, you know folks kind of approach it of, oh, I don't understand it, so it must be easy. Yep. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of that. I did. Uh, one of the cool things they do at Queens is they basically a lot of the different instructors want to make sure uh, that you're approaching your peers' work fairly, so they break down basically um, how you know how you approach a poem and. Uh, and, and you know, and sort of, sort of how to read it. There's a lot of, um, there's like uh, two or three or four or five lectures, especially in a craft where <laughs> they're like, this is how you're supposed to approach these. Uh, Kathy Smith Bowers does an amazing one uh, to the point where I purposely kept her handout so I could use it later in life, and I'm pretty sure I lost it. Um, but I do have a uh, sort of a breakdown of how to. Uh, how I usually approach uh, poems um, and that I think, you know, would help folks, you know, if you're approaching them to read them for the first time or if you're new to it to sort of figure out how to uh, sort of how to handle um, sort of how to, how to handle it. Uh, so basically how and you, of course it's not how you're approaching poetry as a reader. Yeah. And um, yeah, basically. So the, um, and, and I, I will preface this. I, usually when I explain things are incredibly simple and not terribly in depth, mostly because it's easier to basic, get basic points across doing that instead of getting into really convoluted mm -hmm. and more murky stuff. Um, so I guess from this point forward in the conversation, anytime this is like the, the warning. So anytime I refer to, um, similes, or metaphors, or any any of those figurative things like that, um, it's just easier to refer to those as a generic term as metaphor. Um, that way nobody gets confused. Um, or pedantic. Yeah, so that way, um, that's just an easier, uh, an easier way to describe it. Um, because in the, you know, in the long run, the difference is a word. Um, and yes, yeah, so two separate things. But... Uh, they're similar. Uh, they're used similarly. Um, so um, the way that I usually break this down um, is that it basically comes into two parts as a reader or two levels. Uh, the first level is something that I've called on uh, basic, basically experience, and um, this basically happens when uh, this level basically is when you read the poem. And it's a lot of the rudimentary stuff that you feel um, or that you experience when you read the poem. Um, and this is stuff like how the poem made you feel. Um, or even as literal as what does the poem say? What does the, the words literally mean? Mm -hmm. um, and there's that kind of there's that kind of um, bringing it together on a basic understanding of what the poem is uh, attempting. Um, there's even stuff of what isn't said. Uh, it's all, um, I'm, I'm going to say sort of known for, but cause it makes it sounds like, like people know me. Um, but one of the things is that whenever I specifically when I write poems, um, there's basically like a little hint of context and there's nothing, um, specifically, the, the poem is never necessarily what the poem says that it's about. There's always so, subtext or something else there. Or yeah. Like you said, something not said that is just as important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, 
so it's basically you know you have to when you approach poems um you know it's insane is that you could read you know um a poem you know about somebody feeding a duck and that poem is actually really about um you know you know like they're you know a loved one that's passed mm -hmm. um and that may not, you know, if when you sit down and you read it, you may not get that on the first read. Um, so that's one of those things. So it's always important to always make sure you read it twice. Um, and that's sort of part of the experience because you can read it the first time at a cursory glance and just be like, okay, I read this. This is what I think I, this is about. But if you reread it, you start to see more and you start to experience the poem differently. Yep. Um, I, d I definitely get that even <laughs> in the simple uh kind of the simple readings that i've done for some of the the books that i've picked up mm -hmm. yeah um like nick flynn writes this poem i actually don't really like nick flynn because his stuff just gets too weird um but he's sort of like you know the, one of the it folks in poetry right now um i don't i don't i don't have anything against him his work's fine I, it's just not for me um but he writes this poem uh bag of mice uh which is, is actually about his mother's passing and the whole poem um, is about a bag of mice in a field. <laughs> okay. Um, and it takes a couple of reads, but you actually start to understand what it's about after, during those those reads. Yep. Um, so those are things. Uh, let's see. Um, I have little sticky notes because I actually I actually wrote notes. Nice. Um, Did some homework. I, I know. I, I still need to do that about about section, but. Uh, well, I started it. I just haven't finished it. Um, and so, yeah, so that's basically the first part is that experience of what do you think the poem is about? How does it make you feel? Um, which is one part of the overall, which is one part or one level of the poem, one idea of understanding. Um, the second part uh, or the second level, as I like to refer to it, is basically craft. Um this is where um, you actually pay attention to what's happening in the poem and how it's constructed. So this is stuff like what imagery is used. Um, are there metaphors? What are the metaphors usually comparing? Is there a theme within the metaphors? What are the colors, the language, the sound, the diction, the syntax? All of that. Um, what literary techniques are being used, so alliteration, um, all of that goes into the into there. How does the how does the the speaker in the poem actually use use those words that mm -hmm. they're that that are written? And that's that's, that's, uh, that's becoming almost like the architecture of the poem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's the it's it's sort of like it's sort of like viewing a viewing a house or a building where the feeling and the meaning is the actual outside of the poem and or the actual outside of the building and inside is basically the crafting um all those techniques is you basically see the cement slab that the foundation <laughs> you know the foundation and, and the, the studs inside of the drywall um and when you go digging in those in some houses you find treasure or dead bodies so <laughs> Um, very similar to poetry. Um, there are a lot of poems that have dead bodies hidden in them, um, <laughs> especially if you're reading Plath. So, um, 
so there's there's a lot of that there's like uh, in that's the stuff you pay attention that's like the kind of stuff that you have to keep an eye out for um and once you read in you know, once you read more in in that you start to approach those poems differently um and there's uh, especially where there are poems that focus specifically on um just the meaning of how the meaning of a sound of a word not the actual word itself uh like language poets like Gertrude Stein um which you could probably attest to in our group chat I've probably gone off on so much uh, every once in a while if it's <laughs> if somebody's like Stein's great which you know <laughs> if it, if that happens on Facebook I end up just exploding uh -huh. um but there's a whole series of language poets who um who focus on basically on on the sound of words to derive the meaning from their poems um there's a whole group of poets that are called n plus seven um where uh they take poems and uh they take they write a poem and then look every word up in the dictionary and basically count seven words from that and then rewrite the poem oh wow from, yeah so that, i can imagine that being some insane and some really crafty yeah uh just experiences there yeah there's stuff where um and, and people necessarily don't think of that when they think of poetry um it's it's funny is because it's a dying it's sort of a dying art form um mostly because people don't talk about poetry um and we don't uh, put as much emphasis as we probably should uh, culturally on it. Um, and, you know, we end up letting, you know, folks like, you know, uh, you know, we, we classify some things as poetry that probably shouldn't be. And as a society, I feel like we've lowered our standards about what, you know, what's, what's, you know, imagery or, or metaphor or, you know, <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's just I, I don't want to sound conceited about it but we just don't we just don't know what to look for as a group of folks anymore and when it comes to poetry uh, when you talk to some poets they're very like oh well if you don't get it you know you can go fuck off and um, you know that's not how I am but I um, think that's also kind of why poetry got its I mean, that was kind of the, the connotation that I had put forward earlier where, I mean, that's very similar to, again, it's, well, they're just words on a page, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I can just pick up some rhyme scheme to have a fancy topic and then everything is, is golden. Um, and so when you have people that end up having, again, that like high barrier to entry or you don't understand it or you don't understand equality, so, you know, get lost or, you know, go kick rocks. Yeah. It's a different story as opposed to somebody who is like, well, how does it make you feel? How do you want mm -hmm. to feel? How do you like, what do you understand? What do you think they're trying to say and trying to yeah. kind of get that interaction going as opposed to just saying, well, yeah, if you don't get it, you're dumb. So, you know, go <laughs> find something else to do. Yeah. And it's uh, one of these things where I'm, when I go to poetry society meetings, which I've been to one or two or one, um, Those I end up fun. being... Do you, are, are there robes and and processes and kind of rituals and everything, or are they poetry society meetings? They're poetry society meetings, which is totally lame. Um, I end up being one of the youngest people there, and you know, it's uh, it's not folks. It oh god, how do I say this? So, um, 
there are a lot of talented poets there and they try and they care about the art form. Um, but sometimes it sort of feels closer to a um, retiree country club luncheon. Kind of a mutual admiration than, society. Yeah. Um, where there's not, you know, there's not necessarily a lot of diversity. Um, and a lot of the folks look like they just came from, I, God, I wish I knew, I knew the name of like, like, you know, some retirement community. Um, and there are a lot of, a lot of talented, a lot of talented folks there. Um, you know, that's not all of them. And, you know, some real writers who care about getting the message out and are willing to be good readers and want to see poetry thrive. Um, so I don't want to like, uh, I don't want it to, you know, sound like, Oh, there needs to be more, you know, it's all old fuddy duddies and it's, that's not necessarily it, but it's always disconcerting to see, um, you know, less and less young people. It, it's sort of like you're having the flashback to the cover of Days of Future Past mm-hmm. and, you know, you're Wolverine <laughs> and you're in this poetry society meeting and all you see is just the the deceased KIA like <laughs> poster behind you and instead it's in front of you reading poems. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, it's that where, you know, it's you want to see more young folks and Queens. That's the cool thing about Queens is when I first got there, um, there were a lot of older, older folks. Um, and now when I left, there are a lot of folks that are around my age, if not just a little older, like a few years. So that was cool. Um, like when I, when I went to Queens, I was 23. Um, and, uh, I was the youngest person there. Well, uh, by far, yeah. And um, everyone else was at least in their mid-30s. Um, you had groups. There was the kids in their early, um, in, in their 30s, and then a couple folks in their 40s, and then you had folks in their 60s. I mean, that's it's interesting, though, because, I mean, most of the folks that I know that, that go into master's programs are kind of right after undergrad. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, for 23 to be the youngest by far, I mean, for me is quite alien, but I, yeah. I guess that could also be pretty common uh, for some of that, maybe for art style programs. Like again, where it takes people more time to come into it. It takes people more time to understand the value that they mm-hmm. can get out of it with the value or with the effort that they put into it. Um, yeah. But it, like, it would surprise me that you had that range from yourself at 23 into 30s, into 40s, and all the way up into 60s as far as people doing MFA-style style work. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, you know, it was, you know, it was cool, and, you know, there was, you know, there, uh, it was just, it was like, it was really cool, and you learned a lot, and you met a lot of folks in different walks of life, Um you know, and it made you really just think of, you know, who do you know? Is it the insurance agent, you know, the retired research insurance agent, or is the guy who bags your groceries, mm-hmm. you know, who, what, you know, what have we forsaken as a culture, you know, for, you know, art wise just to get money? Oh yeah. Or um, like basically what is, kind of success what is doing well yeah. at any given point where it's like if you're a 35 year old and you want to go back to this MFA program because you have a passion for it like how is that different than it like 
happening right away and being able to connect the dots mm -hmm. just because you wanted to leave one mm -hmm. kind of career and kind of invest in yourself and invest in your craft to go back and do that where mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think we end up putting and i don't know if that's a a function of the internet culture and kind of social media and like instagram likes and instagram superstars and stuff like that where no matter what you're doing somebody's going to distill it down to a single numerical metric that is you know saying whether you're a success or a failure in life mm -hmm. and usually that ends yeah. up being a financial metric uh, but then at the same <laughs> time it, it's like okay I, I i'm doing what i what i want to do what i am passionate about i'm investing in myself et cetera, et cetera, and kind of keep growing that um so again yeah i mean it's even more powerful for those people that go back and, and are able to do that at a later point in time when they know it's going to be a little bit of a shift but they're they're that passionate and that they have that much conviction yeah and uh the funny thing about queens is i didn't realize when i applied to it but it's the uh it was in the top four of poets and writers low residency programs oh well um, which I didn't know. Um, I always joke that it's the second in the state because Warren Wilson's in the state, um, <laughs> uh, which is uh, closer to closer to Asheville. And they're, uh, um, I think they were the first low residency program in the nation. And that's a pretty good. That's a that's an amazing that's an amazing program. Uh, the only problem with Warren Wilson is that it's a six week residency. Uh, so pretty intensive. Or... Yeah, and. Good. That's that's where James Franco went actually. Okay. Um, and it's six weeks, but like if you have a life you're living, you can't just uproot for a month and yeah, a half. Exactly. That's kind of what I meant by <laughs> intensive, where it's basically yeah. you go in and it's you're fully focused there for the six weeks, as opposed to doing something else or yeah. you know, doing it on your own time type thing. Yeah, and it's you know it's. You know, it was a fun, it was a fun experience, um, at Queens and I could never imagine actually doing Warren Wilson. Um, you know, I think like you work on a farm mm -hmm. on top of it. So like, that's not my, <laughs> that's not my style of, uh, that's not my speed. I'm not, a, I'm not a farm guy. Um, be like, ew, there's cow poop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ride a pound about cow poop. So, uh, two quick, uh, lightning round, like questions, uh, before we wrap up. Um, mm -hmm. and so quick questions for me, your answers don't necessarily have to be single words or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, what is your, when, as, as a poet, when, after you've written, what is your editing process or your review process is there a notion of going back and editing that i mean because you said earlier that um you know you looking back on some of those poems that you wrote sober versus non-sober just early on they just weren't very mm -hmm. good have you tried yeah. editing those so, or is there a notion of as you're writing this is that's who you are and there's a future me versus past me concept those old poems are dead okay. um <laughs> that's what i always like uh because i thought of, i actually had that thought i was like well maybe i could save these and it just me it just wasn't worth the effort when i could just create something new mm -hmm. um folks a lot of folks edit um i'm different when it comes to i'm a little different when it comes to editing um i uh folks folks edit folks do have really intensive editing processes uh mine isn't as intense um 
there's two types of there's two types of drafting. There's um, you make the full body, then cut pieces away, and then and then you basically skeleton. You put the skeleton, and then you fill in you fill in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't. I am much more of a uh, make the bo- make the whole body and then cut pieces away um, kind of person when Basically I do chisel a statue out of a, a block of marble as opposed to construct something out of like Lincoln logs. Yeah, yeah, and and then you know and then coat that in marble or mm-hmm. fill it with plaster or whatever, and um, Lincoln log plaster sculptures. Jeez. So um, yeah, so there are folks I. Um, I don't edit. Uh, I don't edit as intensively as other other people, uh, mostly because it takes me so long to write a poem. Um, where other folks write, like folks, most folks end up are able to write a poem in a session. Um, you know, I I don't operate that way. I end up usually doing uh, a poem. You know, it usually takes me about maybe six hours to actually write a poem. Uh, versus that's just getting the first draft out and then um, I'll go and obsess over words and uh, all that kind of stuff. And I do that. A lot of folks, they, they tend to produce work faster than, than I can um, simply because they, they're able to focus better, I guess. But it's such – I spend so long on writing um, – writing stuff and and focused on it and making sure I'm picking the right words the first time that I don't I don't often edit in he, as heavily as others. Yeah, you don't come back, you don't revisit, you don't go back and do more with the the same piece that you would have would have done as far as separate from when you were writing it the first time. Yeah, like oh, excuse me. There are times, you know, I, you know there are times like I do I do edit um, it's not just slam first draft and go, um, all the time. Um, but there's, there's a lot of that, um, a lot of, a lot of pacing. So I'm like, I'm not the best when I, I'm not the best person to ask about edit, editing processes. <laughs> well, so kind of the second question is similar to that and kind of dovetails off of it though. Like when you say you, you don't necessarily, you don't edit, but I mean, you, you go through some drafts or you, you work on it. So eventually you get it to a point where you quote-unquote get it complete or you know it's whole enough or whatever and then so how does that make you feel to then kind of have that and then because you've you've noted um some publications and in like the show notes we'll we'll link to um some of the publications that you have because we have the capability now through the the website um but uh but so when when you have it ready to kind of go off and ship somewhere or kind of submit it somewhere or do whatever, how does how does that make you feel? Is that a catharsis? Is it a weight off your shoulders? Is it like what is what does that do for you as like as the the poet and the artist? So I actually hate everything that I write, and um, so the I'll write it, and it's weird. It's it's like even weird that I even send stuff out in the first place, but um, I, I guess I just do it out of I don't know. I, I guess I just do it out of sort of like a, out of a habit every few months. I just get stuff together and send it out. But it's weird when I finish when I finish a poem. It's usually um, I just like there's like two seconds of like oh this might actually be good, and then I just immediately hate it. And then it's like um, 
<laughs> I, I like I'll write him and then I'll sit there and go, okay, and then it'll just be done. And I'll I'll leave it alone and I might come back to it later, I might not. Um and then when I look through publications, I go, um I go, oh well this poem might the like this they might wanna look at this poem or, or that poem for some reason. Um, and then I'll just send those out like that. Um, but when I finish, it's weird. It's like, there's, when I finish, it's just like, I immediately distance myself from it because there's no point in, you're not going to get better if you think everything you do is great. And, you know, it could be serviceable, but you know, I'm not winning, you know, I'm not winning push carts. <laughs> I'm not winning. I'm not getting nominated for Pulitzers, not even getting like best of the net nominations. Like, you know, I can... <laughs> Like I can, I can get better. So, so but folks, and the- I think that's kind of the key point there because I mean, similar to the the woodworking analogy that I made earlier, where it's like whenever I would finish a project, I mean, that's something that's much more concrete as far as whether it's done or not. But then, like, if mm-hmm. it's a entertainment center or a table or you know a present for somebody, like I made an easel for somebody once, like you see all of the pieces that you wish you could have done better. You see all the pieces that are there that have spots and somebody else just comes into it again, you know, if they go through it the way you had mentioned earlier, um, as far as reading it, just the words, then looking at structure and all of that stuff, it's highly unlikely that everyone is going to pick out the same flaws and all of the (laughs) flaws that you have with it. And so it just, again, you know, that's an extension of you. That's a a point of view. That's a cat, like a, your effort and kind of passion captured at a point in time. And the difference there between, uh, you know, the failure, whether or not it's true or false, would be stopping mm-hmm. and kind of seeing that, that you have those flaws or that it's not as perfect as you want it to be. But the fact that you are the honest artist or you are passionate about it, that you take that and keep moving and kind of keep putting your effort back into it. So you're kind of recycling it and re-upping and, and re-going so that you can continue to build something new, polish that spot, and then you still end up seeing something that's flawed at, at the end uh, of the, the next rev, but you're learning, you're growing, you're building, and you're constantly expressing yourself, and you're constantly getting that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that was actually you, you mentioned the expression, and that's actually something that I meant to um, add to the the first experience part. There is um, why, like, the purpose why you think this poem is being written, or 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 something of that nature um, to that section, uh, which I did have written down, um, but I forgot to read my own scribble. So there's that kind of thing too, where, um, that usually helps with the experience because it puts you in the mindset to be open to the, to the work that you're approaching. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the biggest, the biggest thing you can do when it comes to any art form is basically approach it with a closed mind. Um, I actually never, I never really like calling myself a poet. Um, I always refer to myself as someone who writes poems sometimes. Um, that was, that was another question I had of, of whether, whether it was kind of pompous of me to ask that question playing dumb um, or whether, or whether it was actually true. And I'm glad, I'm glad you kind of said it there, whether you consider yourself a poet or whether you're someone who writes poetry and kind of the distinction there. Yeah. Like if you say it, it's like, okay. So it's, it reminds me of that. Uh, it's like the opposite of that John Mulaney bit where he talks about when he finally married his girlfriend, mm-hmm. when he goes, I can find, I have a wife and that feels good to say. <laughs> let me onto that plane that's my wife 
it's like the opposite of that where <laughs> like it doesn't like it for me it never feels good to like um to to call myself a poet um and there are folks you'd be like you know there are folks be, oh you know be like oh you know introduce me to somebody and be like oh he's really talented uh, he's he's a really talented young poet and i'm like yeah i i don't you know half the time i've got like a, a pbr in my hand and i'm like you know i'm not i'm not a you know i'm not society's definition of a poet and i don't even feel like i don't even feel comfortable classifying myself like that either um you know you you get writer like i you feel more comfortable with writer um but you know it's not necessarily it's just not how i classify that well i mean i guess i kind of will bring it the theme of a lot of this stuff up into a bow then where it's uh i mean you're not necessarily looking for a label but you know just do what you're passionate about do that craft in a way you're comfortable with keep learning keep pushing and again going back to kind of what you didn't experience in some of the the original uh drama programs and originally where it's you know bring people into the fold as opposed to being you know exclusionary it just mm -hmm. makes it a lot easier to to help you grow when again the arts are collaborative by nature so just bring everybody in keep moving keep growing and then it you know you don't have to be a poet. You can just be somebody who writes poetry, but you can also be somebody that makes music. You can also be somebody that does X or does Y. Um, and, and so, uh, it just makes it a lot easier if you don't do that. And then you can just kind of keep growing and evolving and even, you know, cross collaborating across art forms and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that's how I would, you know, I would approach it. It's always about self-expression first, at least for me. And then, um, uh, you know, and, and find out how you can get better and how to, you can communicate your points effectively and making sure whatever you create does what you want it to. Yep. Um, and it, you can usually can control that to a point. Um, because sometimes folks are just going to take, take stuff uh, a certain way. Um, but <laughs> those, those are stories for other times. <laughs> yep. All right, so that's a that's a, a good uh, good first episode back uh, where we should be able to record for the the next couple of weeks pretty consistently, um, with uh, with some good prep work. So we had some some good uh, focused conversation there. Um, I'll look to get this up tomorrow, which should be Thursday. Uh, so we'll we'll be able to kind of keep the the missed weeks to a minimum, get that up and running on the mm -hmm. the new website, and then uh, hopefully within the next couple of weeks we'll get all the stuff up and available on iTunes. Uh, so that we can get some more uh, more hits on on all the the episodes yep. and uh, get some folks going that way. So uh, with uh, with that, we'll uh, sign off for this week uh, and and close it out. Uh, and then uh, we'll uh, try to have to figure out offline what we're talking about next week and uh, whether that's <laughs> a, a re up of a media swap, any of other topics that we've been bandying about, or uh, or we uh, can you know live live podcast a, a, a us writing our, our about page so either way <laughs> uh, that'll work as well yeah that'll, that'll do it <laughs>